Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. Well, good morning, everybody. Let me add my own welcome this morning. My name is Phil. I was the person at the back that Stephen referred to who's going to shake you by the hand if you're visiting us this morning. And uh, a real welcome to everyone, whether you're with us all the time or whether you're just here occasionally. It's really good to be together today, isn't it? We're meeting together this morning uh, in this part of our gathering with the purpose of breaking bread together. We're around the Lord's table. There's bread and there's wine. And um, there's real purpose in our doing that together this morning, isn't there? And, you know, we are, here we are, beginning of October, and we are into this last term, this last season of 2018. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like, where, where has the time gone? And uh, we had that period where everyone's away on holiday for a few weeks, and, uh, and we're never quite all together. But here we are, back uh, October, kids are back at school, and we're on the run-up to Christmas. Can you believe? Can you believe? On the run-up to Christmas. You know, in every new season, I believe there should be new and fresh impetus for us in the body of Christ. I believe that there should be something of, of the pressing on together into all that God has for us as followers of Jesus. And I believe, actually, we're seeing that right now among us in the things that are, that are changing in the way that we're operating a little bit in, uh, in, in, in the Man Versus outreach event that's starting later this month in our new life groups and our new life group leaders. And we are, we are advancing yeah. together. We're pressing on together, aren't we? That's great. You know, we are in Market Harbour as this body of believers to carry the name of Jesus to Market Harbour and beyond. And the great news is that we're completely confident that we'll be enabled by the Holy Spirit who will give us everything we need as we do that. As we grow, we'll, we'll have our challenges, we'll have our growing pains. This is, this is what we should expect to see when we are pushing boundaries. And, uh, and one of the things that you'll be aware that we are um, challenged by very often is enough people to help do all the stuff we want to do. And I think we'll be forever wanting to have enough people to do all the stuff we want to do. But uh, maybe this is a morning where we catch something of all that Jesus has done for us, all that it is to be on mission for him in this town, and with a fresh zeal to, okay, whatever it is that needs doing, I can put my hand to that. We have much to be thankful for at the moment, don't we? I've mentioned we've... Uh, we're, we're having a, a rejig of our life groups. We've gone over the last few years from three to four to five now life groups uh, as, as an expression of the, the bigger gathering here on Sunday. It's now five smaller groups in the week. We have new life group leaders. Four of those couples will be new to leading life groups at Living Rock Church in Market Harbour. Uh, next month, only a month away now, the 4th of November, we're all gathering together, the Living Rock congregations and many others as well, to recognise the apostolic ministry that's with us, that David carries. And, um, 
with recognition of the emergence of an apostolic gift of Christ among us. We were encouraged at the Momentum Weekend a couple of weeks back to consider what it means for us as part of Living Rock's Church to be part of an apostolic base and the heightened sense of mission for each one of us. David's recognition in, in apostolic ministry is not something that will happen to David and the rest of us will watch, but something that will impact on every one of us as we become more and more involved and committed to the mission of this church in this place and many other places beyond. And in this next season, we can have some exciting expectations. We can expect to see life in all its fullness. In, uh, in, in, in the Bible, some translations, when I grew up with life, in all its abundance is something that Jesus said. And uh, we can expect to see that among this body of people. But not just on a Sunday morning. We can expect to see the life of Jesus impacting this town our communities, our friends and our neighbours, because each step that we take together, its ultimate aim has got to be to make disciples. Yes. That is the re- that's the reason we're together. We can expect to see other emerging gifts within this body of believers. We can expect to be given new direction as to where we gather. You know, that back wall is getting a bit closer every week, isn't it? We can be looking to God for solutions and answers. We can expect to see new opportunities to lead people to Jesus. We've got one kicking off next week with the Men Versus um, event, but we can expect to see others as well, opportunities to lead men and women to come to know Jesus as their saviour. We can expect to see a body that is growing stronger together, a body that is becoming more committed to one another, you know, we, uh, we had a men's sailing weekend uh, last month. I, di- I didn't go, but what I do know and what I have been told is once you're on a boat with seven other guys, there's really nowhere else to go. <laughs> and so you have got to find a place of, of unity and, uh, and comradeship. And that's just one example of the ways in which we are becoming much more involved in one another's lives, much more committed to one another, uh, a greater degree of love expressed among the body. And there will be more and more as time goes on, I'm sure. But listen, however good our plans, however um, careful we are in the way we build, however cool or, or funky, as Dave said, is our publicity, However committed we are to one another, our plans are not really anything at all unless God comes and brings and breathes his life into all that we're doing. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects the city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. And so we certainly can make our plans. We certainly can make our purposes funky. But better than all, let's seek God's heart in, in all that we're doing together. We want the Lord to build this house. Amen. We want to be able to say in one year or five years or 10 years or 20 years time that we'll see a strong and healthy community impacting church in this town. And people will say, look at what God has done. And isn't Jesus wonderful? Water needed. Hang on. So I want to help us, I want to encourage us today by reminding us of who it is that we are here to proclaim to this town. 
who it is that we are here to serve, who it is that we're here to honour, who it is that we're here to remember around this table this morning. Not remembering because remembering what it was like in the good old days when Jesus was here on earth, when how great it must have been, but actually reminding ourselves that Jesus walks with us today, in this day and age, among this body of believers, in this very town, and there is nobody better to be walking with. So can we get our Bibles? We're going to turn to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're going to read an account of Jesus, which ends with the breaking of bread. And this is an amazing story. As you read the story, try and picture yourself there. Try and imagine the scene. Uh, Imagine how you might feel to have been caught up in the events of the day that we are reading about. And a a bit of context. We're reading from the book uh, book of Luke, Luke's Gospel. Luke himself wasn't an eyewitness to all that Jesus said and did, but he was a very careful historian. He went and researched and found witnesses of all the things that Jesus had said and done, and he wrote them all down in his gospel, which we call the Gospel of Luke, and then a second volume, which we call the Book of Acts, talked about what Jesus did when he was here on earth, and then spoke about what Jesus did when he was no longer here on earth, the Book of Luke and the Book of Acts, and they go... Um, together is volume one and volume two of Luke's, Luke's work. The day that we're reading about in Luke 24, to bring us some context, is Easter Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday. And um, Jesus had been crucified on the previous Friday. His followers had been gathered around the cross and, and seen him die. They'd seen him be buried. Everything that Jesus had taught them until then had filled them with hope. But then they had seen Jesus crucified and they began to scratch their heads. They began to wonder whether they got all this wrong. Some thought that Jesus was the great Messiah who was going to lead them in victory over the Roman occupiers of Israel at the time. And now he was dead. There was a lot of confusion. At the start of chapter 24 in Luke, we read that early that morning, the place that Jesus had been buried in a tomb with a big stone rolled in front of it, had been found to be empty. The body had gone. And what's more, there'd been this report of angels at the tomb saying that Jesus had risen from the dead. This news had reached the two people we're going to read about in this account today. And they didn't know what to make of it at all. So let's start reading Luke 24, and we're going to pick it up at verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, 
and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, the body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened and they recognised him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognised him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, when I was with you, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And you are witnesses of all these things. And now... I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. What a wonderful and amazing account. Can you picture your scene? Can you picture yourself there? 
Jesus' followers talking, debating, in their hearts, sad, in their hearts, not knowing whether they could be happy, <laughs> confused by the early morning talk of an empty tomb and an angelic visitation. And then Jesus came and began walking with them. Some translations will say Jesus himself came and, and drew near. He drew near to them. But they were kept from recognising him. I don't know whether you've ever had that embarrassing thing that happens to you when you meet somebody completely out of context. I feel it happens to me far too often. But um, I, I do it quite a lot with uh, people who, who are my clients. And I will go and meet them in their homes. I only ever see them in their homes. And I only ever see them in a certain set of surroundings. And they're always dressed a certain way. And if I meet them in the supermarket, dressed in a different way, in a different context, it's like, no. <laughs> and I've had it done to me as well. You know, and, uh, and usually when I go and meet people, I'm suited and booted and, uh, and, and ready for a, a, a professional meeting. But very often, somebody will see me in town, I'm in my shorts and T-shirt, sometimes, and, uh, and people will think, oh, they know me, and no, not quite sure. And there's a nervous smile, isn't there? And it all sometimes gets a little bit cringy and a little bit embarrassing, and, uh, uh, and there it is. But on this occasion, these disciples on the road... They didn't recognise Jesus, whether, whether it was just that or whether it was something more. Well, I think it was something more because the scripture says that God prevented them from recognising who, who Jesus was. They didn't know who they were walking with. I want us to know that Jesus always draws near. I don't know about you, but Sometimes we can feel far off from God, can't we? It's not just, I hope it's not just me. I hope I'm in company here. But, you know, I believe this is a word to me as much as it is to anybody else. Sometimes we can feel far, and far off from God. And, you know, when we're feeling far off from God, the fault on the line is always our end. We can feel frustrated, can't we? We can sometimes feel tired. Yeah, that, that for me is a thing I really struggle with, actually. It's feeling tired and feeling distant from God. And yet when you think about it, he, he kind of knows I feel tired. We can feel full of remorse or we can feel anxious or we can feel, feel full of sin. Yeah, we've done the thing we'd confessed the other day. We're asked forgiveness for. We've done it again. Surely we can't go back to God now. We can. Jesus will always draw near. We can allow God to draw near. We can stir up with ourselves the Holy Spirit life that is within us. No playing dumb. No being mute in God's presence. Being afraid to acknowledge him. James says in uh, James chapter 4, humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah, uh, we read that God says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. There's a promise from God. He will always draw near, just like he did to those disciples on the road. And what better place this morning than to draw near than around his table? purifying his hearts, declaring 
and declaring out loud his all-sufficiency for us. Here's the second thing we need to know. God walks with us. He walks with us. God's heart is to walk with mankind. You know, even right back at the beginning of Genesis, we read that God went to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Right back in, uh, in, uh, at the start of the Bible, a little later on in the book of Leviticus, God says, I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be their slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so that you can walk with heads held high. You know, a lot of what we read about the um, Egyptian captivity of the Israelite people is very much a picture of what it is for us who have been dead in our sins and who have been in slavery to sin, in slavery to the prince of the air, to Satan, to the devil, um, finding freedom and finding new life and finding liberation. And just as God rescued the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, so he has liberated us to a place where we find freedom and a place where we find new life. And God says, I want to walk with you. And I want to walk so that your heads will be lifted high. What a great thing. Children of God, walking through this town with our heads lifted high. If we want to be used by God together in this town, and I believe that we do, for his glory, to bring many people to salvation, we need to walk with him, heads held high. I was really challenged last week when Arna spoke to us because he was speaking to us about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And I think of everything that Arna said last Sunday morning. He said some great things. We had a great time together, didn't we? Just learning from him. But I think the thing that really impacted me the most was him talking about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we know very well these verses in 2 Corinthians that say, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That was a prayer that Paul prayed to the church in in Corinth. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes those words kind of trip off our tongue, don't we? And we don't really realise the enormity of what it is that we are confessing. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I looked in the dictionary to see what it said fellowship meant. And it means friendly relationship. It means companionship. Paul's prayer to the recipients of his letter in Corinth, but actually I believe Paul's prayer to all believers, which includes you and me, is that we will know the friendly relationship, the companionship, of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in each believer allows us to walk with God, enjoying friendly relationship and companionship. If we know true companionship, we don't only share the things with our companion, do we, that put us in the best possible light? Or we don't only share the good stuff. But um, if you think about how you relate to your best friend, maybe your husband or your wife, we, we don't only tell people about the up times. We, we share all of life with them, don't we? So we might be saying, hey, I'm joyful. This has happened. I'm, I'm really happy. But we might be saying, I'm really hurting now. You know, something's happened. I feel let down. I'm encouraged. I'm disappointed. I've learnt something new. Oh, I'm anxious. I'm raring to go. 
I'm a bit fearful. I'm really confident. I think I've let people down. And with our companion, we might say things like this. What do you think I should do next? What would you do now? Can, can you help me with this? Is this right? What's happening here? What's really going on? I don't understand. They're all the sorts of questions that we can say to our friend and companion, the Holy Spirit. We're in relationship. We're in conversation. We don't wait until we've got our life sorted and then seek a relationship with God. God is here because he wants to walk with us in every aspect of our lives. We don't need to be timid coming to God in this way. It's his delight. Do you know, it's his delight to walk with each one of us. It's his delight to converse with us as his people. Here's the third thing. He reveals truth. Can you imagine what it was like to be one of Jesus' followers on that road, being taken through the best Bible study ever? What a thing. The best Bible study ever. Jesus himself took them from the writings of Moses, that's from the book of Genesis, all the way through the scriptures, all of the prophets, explaining everything that concerned him. And of course, Jesus knew everything that concerned him because he's God. Father, Son, Spirit, he was part of the inspiration in every way for all that made up scriptures and all that makes up scriptures today. Jesus wants his followers to be people full of truth. With God-given truth resonating deep inside us. And perhaps never more in our day-to-day is this issue of truth being so important with increasingly blurry lines over all sorts of moral issues and matters right right at the heart of who we are and what we're all here for. And we've come across over this last year, haven't we? We've, we've, we've learnt some new phrases like fake news, alternative facts. Do you even understand what that means? But we, we were told sometime at the top of the year, yeah, but they're his facts, but these are my alternative facts. So, so what is truth? Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. He said in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you what he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. And what did Jesus' followers on the road say about the way Jesus taught them? They said this, didn't our hearts burn within us when Jesus spoke to us? Do you know what it is to have your heart burning within you as a response to God's truth? I believe it happens and it's, it's a feeling like another. Sometimes when we worship together, yes. you know, we, we, we sing a line and it is full of truth and we go in our spirits, we go, yes, yeah. yes. Oh, everything in, that, in those words is me. I want that so much. Our hearts burn within us. Yeah. 
when we are listening to teaching from God's word, when we gather together, our hearts can burn within us, can't we? I was sharing with our life group um, this week that when David spoke at Momentum and started to share his apostolic vision for our congregations, my heart burned within me. Yeah, it's a, it's a Holy Spirit moment. Our heart's burning within us. Importantly, when we read scripture, when we listen to God speaking to us, when we're taking time to be alone with him, he can cause our hearts to burn within us. Let's look out for it. In uh, Colossians chapter 1, Paul writes, God has given me responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Drum roll. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. God's truth, it's no longer secret. It's right out there. Christ lives in us, no longer hidden, but revealed just as Cleopas and his companion on the road suddenly saw Jesus and things were revealed to, to them. What was previously hidden to us has now been revealed. We can see it all, can't we? All of God's glorious truth. Let's embrace that together. Why should we do that? That we might, in turn, reveal Jesus to others. Do you remember? That's the whole point of us being here that we might reveal Jesus to others. God's truth resonating in us, causing his church to grow, causing his church to flourish and to declare to others what we know ourselves to be true. Today, we're talking about life groups and we're talking about new leaders and we're talking about new outreach initiative. We're talking about apostolic ministry. But the whole point is whatever we do, the name of Jesus is declared further and it's declared louder, no longer hidden, but revealed to all. No longer hidden to this town, but revealed to all. I was really encouraged by a little conversation I had with Arna last week. And um, he said something to me that, that, yeah, it encouraged me. It made me feel much more positive about sharing my faith with people. And he said this, we can always lead people to Jesus. Sometimes we think that unless us sharing our faith leads with somebody on their knees in tears, confessing Jesus as Lord, we've not really done the job. But that's not true at all. We can always lead people to Jesus. We can show people that Jesus is our King by the way that we live, by the things that we say about him, by the things that we share with them, by the attitude that we we bring of, of, of serving people around about us. We can always lead people to Jesus. It might be that we just sow a seed and someone else sows another seed and someone else sows another seed and then one day there's a mighty fruit. Yeah. Yeah? But we can always lead people to Jesus. Let's be really confident that however big, however small, we have always got something to give that can lead people to see Jesus. Finally, as we approach the time now when we're going to share bread and wine together, Let me just read verses 30 and 31, this passage again. It says this. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. And then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, 
their eyes were opened and they recognised him. Revelation for them came at the breaking of bread. They saw Jesus for who he is and for all he's done. He was indeed raised from the dead. I believe for us this morning that revelation can come at the breaking of bread. Revelation of who it is we are walking with. Let's be completely confident knowing that we're walking with Jesus in every aspect of our lives. However distant we may have felt, we can draw near knowing that he will draw near. We can know that we have a saviour who loves to walk with us, be in fellowship with us. We have a saviour who wants to lead us into all truth. Truth that makes our hearts burn within us. That we in turn can declare to our friends and to our neighbours and to our communities, to our town, our nation, that there is a saviour for all and wonderful life to be found in him. Wonderful life to be found in him in this life and in the age to come. We're going to um, break bread in just so the children are going to come back in and be in the room as we do that. And we're going to talk a little bit about life groups as well. And Tom, could you go and fetch the, uh, the children now? Um, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing and then we're going to break bread together. But, um, but this morning, let's approach the table expecting revelation in our hearts of all that Jesus has done for us. Why don't we stand together? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the God that draws near. We thank you that you have drawn near to each one of us who know you as Saviour. We thank you that we can declare you as our King. Lord Jesus, we want to follow you. Father, I want to ask for all of us this morning who are feeling distant and far away, that we are quick now at your table to draw close to you, knowing that you will draw close to us. Father, I thank you that you love to walk with mankind. I want to thank you for your compassion on us, your kindness to us, the way you want to just be part of everything that we're about. I want to ask that as you walk with us, you guide us into all truth and further truth. Father, show us what is going on in every situation, in our workplaces, when we're in the schools, when we're in offices, wherever we find ourselves. Would you, Holy Spirit, lead us into truth? Show us the reality of what's going on all around us in order that we can, we can speak for you. We can bring some, some Holy Spirit life to every situation we encounter. And we want to thank you that as your people we have indeed found wonderful life in you. Life in all its abundance, life in, in, in all its goodness, all its excitement. Lord Jesus, for all you have done, for all that you are, we give you our thanks and our praise this morning. In your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.